everybody, it's He Yang. Roundtable is thrilled to launch the UniTalk Challenge, Rising Stars of Roundtable. If you like the show and enjoy our discussions, why not take the stage yourself? Calling all university students, both undergraduates and postgrads, to engage in an English discussion on a topic that ignites your passion. Record your discussion, which consists more than one person, and send it to us at ezfmroundtable at foxmail.com. You could be the next rising star of Roundtable. An incredible opportunity awaits, so seize the moment. Discussion keeps the world turning. This is Roundtable. You're listening to Roundtable with myself, He Young. I'm joined by Yu Shun in the studio and Josh Cotterell on the line. Coming up, cities in the same country can be friendly rivals with different strengths. Their differences add to their country's experiences. We take a pair of great Chinese cities of Beijing and Shanghai and see which is better. No, let's, let me put it this way: in which ways? Does one outshine the other? I haven't really helped the situation, but never mind. And long-distance relationships can be tough. We look at some tips that will hopefully help you navigate this tricky frontier with clear eyes and an open heart. Our podcast listeners can find us at Roundtable China on Apple Podcast. And if you want to get in touch with us, or you have a question that you'd like us to answer on the show. Please send your voice memo or email to ezfmroundtable at foxmail.com, and we would really appreciate it if you could include your name and region of residence in your message, so we know a little bit more about you as we answer your question. Now on Roundtable, as we continue today's discussion. Beijing and Shanghai. One is the political center of the country, and the other. Financial hub. They are arguably two most well-known and important cities of China. You might imagine that the two fit together like the yin and yang, complementing each other, and that's true to a certain extent. And there's also an age-long friendly rivalry between the two cities. So, let's lay the groundwork first. You shouldn't. Give us some of the、uh, quick facts、mm. about these two great cities. Right, Shanghai and Beijing are the two most developed cities in China in terms of GDP. Shanghai is the biggest one with a GDP of 4.47 trillion yuan. That's about 612 billion U.S. dollars. And Beijing is the second biggest with a GDP of 4.16 trillion yuan. And in terms of population, with a smaller city area, Shanghai has a larger permanent population with over 24.7 million permanent residents in 2022, with an increase of 2.5 percent from 2013 to 2022. Beijing has over 21.8 million permanent residents in 2022, with an increase of 3.3 percent. But we can see an interesting phenomenon is that the population of younger generations see a decrease from 2010 to 2022. The age group of 20 to 29 witnessed 
the most significant population decline in, in both cities. Shanghai saw a decrease of 1.4 million residents, while Beijing experienced a decline of 1.6 million. So I think that reflects that more young people are choosing some smaller cities to live and work, which means such smaller cities are also becoming well developed, and there are abundant opportunities out there. Josh, you've been to Beijing and Shanghai, and from the eyes of an international person, what are your impressions of the two cities? Well, I mean, my my impressions is my impression is that they're extremely different cities,、um, and that that's as a visitor. I've never lived in Shanghai, and I've only ever really lived in Beijing, so I don't know what it's exactly from a first person. Um, point of view. I, I don't know what it's like to live in Shanghai, but I think that Beijing definitely has its own thing going on, as does Shanghai. I think that Beijing definitely takes a lot longer to settle in, from what I've seen.、Um, but that doesn't mean that it's more difficult to live there long term. I think that it's just such a different city. We can get into the nitty gritty of it later if you want, but. I, I must say that I think Beijing takes slightly longer to settle in. You mean、uh, for an international、Shanghai、person? Is, yeah, yeah. Yes, and that also can be seen in the sector of business.、Um, Beijing is the headquarter of 54 Chinese companies listed on the global 500, while Shanghai boasts 12 such companies. However, when it comes to hosting multinational companies, Shanghai is the biggest star with. 877 multinational companies headquartered in the city, and Beijing is the headquarters of 207 multinational companies.、Hmm. I'm feeling an obligation here, professionally and personally, to get biases on the table. It's hard not to defend my regional pride of being a Beijinger.、Um, Beijing and Shanghai both have their strengths、hmm. separately, and they're very different cities, despite the fact they're. That they are both huge cosmopolitans,、mm. and well, it's easy to pit、uh, the two cities against each other, and、uh, that's not what we're doing today. But if we may ride this uh, uh, traditional slash slightly biased slash stereotypical、uh, <laughs> perception of the two cities, I'm just gonna. Okay, I'm playing devil's advocate a little bit here, but let me just present like the this is. Obviously biased, but let me just put this on the table first. Okay, so in the olden days, in Shanghai, people will tell you that okay, Beijingers, Beijingers, they're arrogant and uncouth, and they consume way too much garlic. As long as a lot of folks from、uh, the northern part of China. Okay, this is not true. You're just saying this, okay? Disclaimer. And、uh, yes, and in Beijing, on the other hand, they'll tell you that Shanghai people only care about money,、oh. and、uh, they they place way too much emphasis on money. And、uh, the bright side of that is, I guess, they're good at doing business. But the not so bright side of it is,、um, it feels like. It might be a little bit difficult for us to become close because you're like so de facto. This is the contract. Let's honor it, and I'm not gonna let you take advantage of me. Nor am I gonna do that to you. So、mm. it's very clear cut.、Um, 
Let's just do business. And, and that's not how we operate. This is a crude generalization as Northerners. So um, I'm just curious what you guys think about these um, old, out-of-date stereotypes of folks from these two separate cities. Well, I, as a foreigner living here, I just find it kind of entertaining seeing this back and forth between <laughs> Beijing and Shanghai because it's most of it is just not true at all. You know, it's just all based in stereotype. And most people I meet in Beijing that I work with, Chinese colleagues and and friends, and most people that I've met in Shanghai aren't even from Beijing or Shanghai. Mm. Um, they've they've moved here from somewhere else. So. I think it's just funny, and I've seen it myself in my own country with cities like Manchester and Liverpool and whatever. There's, we're always going to have these stereotypes because I think just naturally as humans we're very tribal, and I guess after some time you you see your Beijing as your tribe or Shanghai as your tribe, and I guess in some way they are in some sort of friendly competition with one another. But I don't think it's any more than that, really. Mm, and I think, especially when you are meeting people from Beijing or Shanghai in business or in job market, they may have different focuses on the type of the company. I think, for example, Beijing may have more tech companies, while Shanghai boasts more international companies or joint ventures. So definitely, there will be different, you know, kind of work style in these kind of、uh, company cultures. And another point I think that is playing a crucial role in Is that the location of your hometown? From my observation, people grew up in northern China, especially in cities around Beijing, like Tianjin or cities in Hebei province. They are more likely to be favor of working in Beijing. While some people grew up in southern China, they may go to Shanghai to seek a job opportunity. So I think. And of course, we know that China is so big, and there are different customs and the lifestyles in、mm. northern China and southern China. So, of course, there are going to be some differences in these two cities, also these two regions. Yeah, it's so funny.、Uh, well, both cities they have their strengths and differences. <laughs> okay, like in Shanghai, first of all, it has snatched. It has. Always held the crown of being China's coffee capital, <laughs> and there are so many great boutique cafes in Shanghai, as well as international cuisine and all、uh, oh, the pastries in that city. It can just be fabulous. Oh, speaking of fabulous, Shanghai might also hold the crown of being the fashion capital、mm. of the city, but you know. As a Beijinger, I actually feel like if there's too much emphasis on fashion and on you know being presentable in public, it can become an extra source of stress. Like in Beijing, if you go to a high-end store, you don't necessarily need to dress up. You can、oh. just casually walk in with your slippers and shorts. Although maybe you might be frowned on a little bit, but you're not gonna be denied entry. And in Beijing, it's like people are really casual in that sense, as long as、um, you know you're here to consume, I guess. But、uh, in Shanghai, my friends say that you know for all of these occasions, and one needs to dress up a certain way. Otherwise, you become a social pariah. That's pretty much what it is. Yes, I had the same feeling when I was staying in Shanghai, and. Actually, that is also experience that 
I bumped to know Josh, um, right? We we met in Shanghai actually, what? and I that didn't it was a this. <laughs> yeah project of CGTN, and um, we had actually a project about fashion in Shanghai, and I really understood about how you know Shanghai people treat fashion, and I think that is actually becoming a lifestyle that ingrained in their in people in Shanghai. And when I went to a street right on the edge of a um, I would say residential area. Called Julu Road,、oh. yeah, and you could see some even elderly people dressed up, not like not fancy dressed up, but they, no matter it's like you know matched suits or just colorful shirts, they, but not shorts or <laughs> flip flops,、uh, <laughs> yeah, with with their unique fashion choices, and whether they were going to the you know grocery shopping or just sitting outside a cafe and enjoying the cafe and the sunlight. You can feel that they were very relaxed and chill and enjoy their moment. Yeah, and I think that's a sign of you enjoying life, you know,、mm. and really seeing the essence of life. And that might be these little spurts and bursts of joy and these very small things in life. And that could be putting on some fancy shoes and putting on. Lipstick or something like that, and I think these little rituals in one's life can bring small pockets of joy. And、uh, yeah, all right, well done, Shanghai. But I, but I'm not saying <laughs> Beijing people do not enjoy their lives. Just, just in a different way. Yeah. Yeah, and also we are painting two cities with this general brush, and that must be kept in mind as well. Well, Josh, you know. In China, there's this great rivalry, similar in ways to New York versus Los Angeles in my mind, and also Tokyo versus Osaka. Is there somewhat of a similar pair of frenemy cities in <laughs> in the UK or in Europe?、Mm. Well, honestly, this may be a bit of a predictable answer, but it is the truth: is that there are a lot of Cities that have rivalries, and it comes down to football. It's just <laughs> how it is. Football,、uh, as I've said before, and as anybody who's into football knows, in my own country and in Europe, football is a religion. And cities that have the biggest rivalries in the UK are the cities that have the rival football teams. So the biggest rivalry, I would say, in the United Kingdom is one of them is definitely Manchester United against Liverpool.、Um, the two. Teams that play in red.、Uh, there are other teams, but these are the two most popular. I would say、um, Arsenal, also another one in London. But so Manchester and Liverpool have always had this rivalry. Also, they have this rivalry because of where they are regionally. They're very they're next to each other in the UK. Also, things like music and art. Often, people like to think that Manchester has the best music and art. Liverpool,、um, and yeah, they just have quite a fierce rivalry. I would say. So、uh, I've definitely experienced that、uh, myself. I think as well. So、hmm. yeah. Yes, indeed. And Beijingers and Shanghainese love to poke fun at each other. I see it in a friendly light. Although you know, some jokes are more barbed than funny. But at the end of the day, you know, there's a lot that we share. And when we talk about living in both cities, what we know is that both cities have a spider web of 
subway lines. Didn't used to be the case, but just look at the tremendous speed as public transportation has expanded in the last couple of decades. And another point that people sometimes bring up is that Shanghai might be a little bit more convenient to live, just by the sheer number of convenience stores in every neighborhood.、Um, these are only some points that we can discuss. You should. So, what's more preferable living、mm. in either city? Actually, from my experience, I think they are both convenient in terms of transportation or getting daily necessities from convenience stores. Because, of course, Shanghai has more brands of convenience stores. You can basically see like couple of convenience stores in one street. But Beijing also have their own brands, and you can get. Um, basically, what you need daily from a store, or maybe it's not a kind of a, you know a big brand, but you could just some small stores that is opened by individuals. So in that way, I think of course, as、uh, you know, cosmopolitan cities, they are convenient their own ways. But what I want to say is that I think a lot of people are discussing the pressure of living in big cities like Beijing and Shanghai, but I want to say, feeling anxious or feeling pressure—it's very normal nowadays. No matter you are in a big city、uh, like Shanghai and Beijing, or in other smaller cities, it also proves that you are motivated and ambitious. I think, and it is, of course, we know that in this you know fast developing society, it's so natural that people will think we may be not competitive enough to. You know, survive in this society, but I think it's it also has something to do with your job satisfaction or your your job content. If you are not satisfied with your current job, or you cannot gain sense of accomplishment or achievement, then you may have a higher chance of feeling anxious or feeling lost in a big city. So, what I want to say is. Try to live your life, and、um, you know we of course can get many happiness or little small fortune points from these big cities. I think, yeah, there's got to be a chance for for us. That's such a great point, Yushun. And nowadays, people have so many choices. In China alone, there are various cities and townships or whatnot to choose from. And for some, it is fulfilling a big city dream, and also just to see what is it like, because the lifestyle as well as the pace of life can be so different in. Different size of cities, as well as just Beijing and Shanghai, people might say, "Well, the pace of life can be a little bit different as well." So, these days we see that there are some young people. I mean, members of Gen Z that would. Maybe go to the rural areas and see there to be where they can realize their dreams, as well as people who go to maybe smaller sized cities where there is less of this pressure to perform and to compete. But also, I think it's really important for people to have the opportunity to realize their potential and. I guess the bright side of things is that there are these options out there that people feel that you can forge your own path if you work hard and、um, 
sometimes it means that maybe you live in a big city for a few years and then see where life takes you, um, whether you want to stay or maybe go somewhere else new. And with all the experience you've gathered, and start something new. So, so yes, life can be very different for different people. Coming up next, how to navigate a long distance relationship if you live in Beijing or Shanghai and your <laughs> significant other or your potential Mr. Right or Miss Right is in that other city. Looking for passion? How about fiery debate? Want to hear about current events in China from different perspectives? Then tune in to Roundtable, where East meets West, and understanding is the goal. It's the hour of Roundtable with myself, He Yang. I'm joined by Yushun in the studio and Josh Cotterell on the line. In this age of video calls and text messaging, it seems that keeping a long-distance relationship would be easier than ever before. But ask anybody in a long-distance relationship, and they'll tell you that technology can't replace everything. The lack of regular physical closeness could make long-distance relationships emotionally challenging. Even when you do your best to stay in touch, there are a number of mistakes long-distance partners make that can lead to a breakup. So, what are these mistakes that are best to be avoided? I think the first one is that you neglect or you lost the desire of sharing, because especially when you two are distanced. The most important thing is that you need to make the another part feel that you are there, and、um, in this way, I think you know daily sharing or daily communication about what you've been doing and、uh, what are you thinking is very important in this case. And another one is that I think it is necessary to plan a visit, no matter it's you finding her or her finding you. Because not knowing when you are going to see each other again can be really challenging, and it can heighten the feelings of loneliness or distrust and doubt, and it also just a kind of a bummer. So yeah, regularly at least plan a visit. Well, I think doing all of the opposite of what Yushun just mentioned, I think that、um, not scheduling regular visits. I think、um, the only way that A long-distance relationship can work really is if that you set dates and you have an idea of when it's going to end. I think for most people,、right. it's not permanent. When we talk about long-distance relationships, there's actually two types. Really, there's a temporary one and there's a permanent one. And a permanent people, one. Well,、That's, I mean, they, they、um, exist. I don't、really? think permanent long-distance relationship could work. Of course, of course, they exist.、Oh. Yeah, they can work, but it depends on. The, on the people, what they're doing. I mean, people can live apart for their whole relationship, and it can work. It, it depends. There's、uh, there's all sorts of interesting relationships that happen, especially internationally. Trust me. But I think most of the relationships we're talking about here are ones that are going to come to an end, right?、Mm. They are finite, and I think that it's important to put a date on that, to have an idea of when it's going to end. And if you don't do that, if you don't、uh, plan for the future. Um, then it, it's very difficult 
to do so. So I think that it's important to have clear plans. And if you do not have clear plans, then it can easily fall apart because hope can easily be lost. But hope is also the strongest thing in the world. So yeah. you need to maintain that. Mm, nicely put. And actually now when I think a bit deeper, yes, long distance relationships aren't anything new. Like in China, mm. let's say in the 1980s or maybe a bit further back, 1990s and uh, there was a time when it was quite common for married couples sometimes to live in different cities but it's just because that they had to hold on to their jobs and they couldn't come together that easily I suppose well there is the hukou the uh, permanent household registration system in China so Yes, benefits, healthcare, education, all these things are connected to it and where you pay tax. It's um, a complicated system. And so people have their um, considerations and, um, you know, their own choices that they have to make. And sometimes a couple could end up in two separate locations and stay that way for a, a long time. But um, for most people, if you get a choice, I would think you want to be with someone who can, who can physically be together with you, unless it's absolutely the one. Would you go through the hardship of um, being physically miles apart? And everybody knows that comes with more challenges than otherwise so for those who want to survive a long distance relationship what's the first thing they can do i think the first thing is uh, of course what we mentioned negotiate a date of ending the long distance relationship to be together physically and another one is of course during this relationship you guys should meet in person regularly it is important to see each other as much as possible the goal is to see one another in person at least quarterly maybe even better is if you can make it work to see each other monthly and especially when some special occasions like valentine's day or one of you is you know sick or need to be taken care of you know at that moment if you guys are still separated and um, you may consider you know, the meaning of the relationship. That's what I think, at least, because I think companionship is quite necessary in relationship. I, I think everything also is about time. I think it's about setting goals and obviously establishing trust is very important as well. I think that it's pretty normal that when you're apart from your partner for a very long period of time, that it may be more difficult to establish trust. A trust is quite a complex issue right and it comes in very different forms some people think that trust is an immediate thing that is there to be broken and some people consider it more of a thing that needs to be built but either way i think that long distance relationships can test that a lot of the time and so it's important to establish that in some way whether that's setting boundaries or being very open about it and honest with each other talking about expectation goals ultimately it's all about communication which is a lot of work and can be very, very difficult. Anybody listening who's going through that, I really wish you luck and I encourage you to communicate more than you already are doing. Yeah. And that brings us to the end of today's roundtable. Thank you so much, 
Josh Cotterell and Yushun for joining the discussion. Thank you for tuning in. You can find us on Apple Podcast at Roundtable China. I'm He Yang. We'll see you next time. <laughs>